You're listening to the podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a church in Gloucester, England. So we come to Genesis 21, chapter 21, our uh, Bible reading for this evening. And the unit started back in chapter 20, and this uh, completes that uh, unit. So let me read Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shop. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife from him for him in the, from the land of Egypt. At that time, Abimelech and Phil. Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants 
or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me and I've not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart and Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? And he said, these seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, but this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba because there were both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, and Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Well, may God bless the uh, reading and the preaching of his words to us. Well, well done, all of you. Finally, we've made it to the, uh, the birth of Isaac. We've been waiting since um, Genesis chapter 12, or arguably since uh, Genesis chapter 3, this promised offspring, promised to Abraham in, in Genesis um, has finally, uh, in this chapter, is, is the record of his birth. And the text uh, breaks into three uh, main parts. We have the, the birth of Isaac, the promised seed in verses 1 to 7. And then we have the expulsion of Ishmael, the one who was not the promised uh, seed in verses 8 to 21. And then we have this section with Abimelech, which tells of the, the blessing going to the nations, really, in this treaty with Abimelech in verses 22 to 34. So first off, the birth of this promised seed, the birth of Isaac. We read, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And when it said the Lord visited Sarah, this language is used of, of the Lord coming to, to, to visit in order to act for his people, in deliverance, so in, in the book of Ruth, uh, there was a famine, and then um, the, 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 we read that the Lord visited his people, meaning he came to deliver them, and it's used frequently in the scripture, uh, meaning that, and so here the Lord visited Sarah, he came to do as he had said, and he did what he had promised. And we get the point, don't we, that the Lord is faithful to keep his promises, that he does what he says, he keeps his word, and that's underlined in this account. So verse 2, and Sarah conceived and brought Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. God had told him at the time that it would happen in a year's time, this time next year, and it happened uh, as he had said, and according to the time. And that is the basic, basic truth about uh, the God upon whom we depend, that he keeps his word, that he does what he says he will do, and he does it when he says he will do it. He keeps his appointments. If God says, I'll be there at five o'clock, he's there at five o'clock. He keeps his appointments. And uh, in a world of flux and change, uh, that means that we have solid ground. We trust in the Lord and we can trust in him to keep his promises. Well, verse three, Abraham called the name of his son, who he was born to him, who Sarah bore, Isaac. That was the name God had given him, meaning he laughs. 
and Abraham circumcised him on the eighth day as God has commanded him. So he gives him the name that God had given him to name him, and he commanded him, and he circumcised him on the eighth day as God had called him. So here is Abraham doing what God had said. He's trusting God and he's obeying. And we're reminded, uh, he's verse five, Abraham's a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. So they've had this long, long wait, 20 years of waiting and trusting, many twists and turns. And even in, in Genesis, we've read it, there's many side stories and different accounts that we've read of. But the main line is this promise of the son, but they've been waiting and waiting, this long delay. But here at last is God's punchline and God fulfills his promises. His timetable was not Abraham's timetable. Uh, his timetable is not very often our timetable, but God fulfills and keeps his promises. And these things written uh, for our endurance and our patience that we might trust in the Lord and wait for him. And then we have the words of Sarah. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Or this, this play on the word Isaac here. Um, and Sarah's laughter now is of a totally different character from what had been her laughter before when God had promised that she would bear a son. She laughed in disbelief, in cynicism, in despair. She didn't believe that this would happen. But now it has happened. And so now her laughter is filled with joy at what God has done. It has happened. And laughter, isn't it? It's a response um, to, to the unexpected. That's how jokes work. Um, can a shoebox? No, but a tin can. It's unexpected, isn't it? That's why there's roars of laughter out there. Um, but, it's, but this, it is, it is a, this unexpected uh, surprise was of great joy and of great laughter to, um, to Sarah, to her herself. And the scripture, isn't it, is filled with unexpected reverses. There's, there's exile and then return from exile. And the, the returning exiles laugh, laughter fills their mouths. There's death and there's resurrection and the disciples' joy fills their hearts. As God visits his people and acts, the response is joy and surprise and laughter. And those are the kind of stories that God loves to tell. And so uh, we ought not to despair as we look at the world or as we think of our own lives. We know the kind of stories that God loves to tell. We need to wait patiently and wait for God's surprise, wait for God's punchline. Well, Sarah laughs and she says, verse six, everyone who hears will laugh over me. Um, so it wasn't just her, um, but everyone in Abraham's household who would been with them all these years, many of them, heard of this and saw her uh, pregnant and having a child, and they're, they're laughing over it, um, from the lowliest servant girls to the highest officials, and others would come to hear of it, those in Abimelech's household. This would be, it's public knowledge, isn't it, the birth of a child. And she says, I have borne him, Abraham, a son in his old age. Sarah is undoubtedly the mother, and Abraham is undoubtedly the father. Hard to believe but true. Uh, like many things in scripture, hard to believe, but true. It's like the resurrection of Christ, hard to believe, but true. And so we have this wonderful account, the birth of this promised offspring, uh, accompanied by uh, laughter. 
And then we come to this next scene. Uh, it's the birth of Ishmael. Then we have the expulsion, uh, birth of Isaac, sorry, and then the expulsion of Ishmael, the one who was not the promised seed in verses 8 to 21. So we read the child, that is Isaac, grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. So birth and the first, um, first months and first couple of years of the child's life where the child was extremely vulnerable and needed uh, particular care and protection and feeding of, of the mother. But now the child is weaned, and in that culture at that time, that might have been between two and three years old, so the Isaac is toddling around. Um, and so that's a cause for great joy and great celebration that Isaac has made it through this important stage and now can take the sort of first steps to sort of fly the nest a little bit and be in the, the wider household and the wider community of Abraham's um, household. And so there's a great feast, and it's been a long time in coming, hasn't it? Um, and so there's Abraham, uh, cigar in one hand, maybe a glass of champagne or whatever they would do in the other hand. It's a great celebration and people are just slapping him on the back again as Abraham's 100 years old and well done, you, you know, Abraham, his father of multitudes and there is his son by Sarah. So there's much laughter and celebration, but there is also something more sinister. Verse nine, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, um, whom she had born to Abraham laughing. So there's laughter here. But Sarah detects a threat to the promised seed. Um, and it seems to be more than simply uh, Sarah's competitive maternal instincts kicking in here, though it probably was that. Uh, we're told in the text that this is um, the, the, the son of uh, Hagar the Egyptian, and that should always sort of strikes a, a sinister note in the scriptures. Those are typically the enemies of God's people. Um, and so here he is, Ishmael is laughing. Well, what is he doing? Laughing, it might carry the connotation of, of mocking. It may be that he was doing something bad to uh, Isaac, um, but it may be that he was just playing around and laughing. But, but the point really, I think here is there are two sons, we remember. It's not just Isaac, there is Ishmael. And Ishmael is a rival son. He's a rival source of laughter here. And so who's the true son? And that would be the question in the household. Who, who is going to inherit? Who is the heir? And that was always the question throughout Genesis. At the beginning, is, is it going to be Lot, this adopted nephew? Or is it going to be someone from his own household, Eliezer of Damascus? Is it going to be Ishmael? This is always the question, who is the true son? And so this little uh, section is, is showing us that the true son is Isaac, not Ishmael. That is what this uh, is saying. And so, uh, verse 10, Sarah says to Abraham, cast out this slave woman, notice that, not uh, Hagar, cast out Hagar, doesn't use her name, um, with her son, not, uh, doesn't use his name, he doesn't say Ishmael, not your son, uh, for the son of this slave woman uh, shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And we think, we read, the thing was very displeasing, uh, displeasing in the extreme to Abraham on account of his son. So Abraham's thinking, like, this is, this is my son you were talking about. Abraham loved Ishmael. It was his son. And, and Sarah is speaking in these really derogatory tones of his son. So it's enormously painful to him. And we don't know sort of how he, he reacted externally in this moment, but it's extremely displeasing and distressing to him 
what Sarah is saying. But, um, verse 12, God said to Abraham, and this likely in, in a dream, be not displeased because of the boy. And it's actually, God speaks to Abraham. And this time, Abraham is actually to listen to Sarah, the words of his wife. These words which she spoke, which really were such unkind words, speaking of the separation of Ishmael. But nevertheless, this was in fact God's will that Ishmael be separated from Abraham's household. So that separation and expulsion of Ishmael would make it abundantly clear who uh, the true son was and who was going to inherit uh, that the house um, the household and all the promises of God. Nevertheless, God was going to bless Ishmael. Uh, verse 13 is going to make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he's your offspring. God was going to protect and bless Ishmael and Hagar. And so, verse 14, Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and the skin of water, gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder uh, with the child. I don't think the child, uh, Ishmael, is likely sort of mid-teens at this point. He wasn't on her shoulder. Um, he's with her and sent them away. So here, Abraham, he promptly carries out what for him would be a costly and painful obedience. So, and we get that in the next chapter, Genesis 22, this costly and painful obedience as he, as he takes Isaac in, in obedience as we'll read um, in the next chapter. So for, for Abraham, he's leaving his household, involving this costly and hard decision. And then we follow uh, Hagar and Ishmael. She departs and wanders in the wilderness of Beersheba. And it all becomes desperate. The, the, the lad is exhausted, dehydrated. The water runs out. The provision of Abraham's household runs dry. The water runs dry. And what's going to happen? And here we're meant to see that actually the Lord is going to provide. The Lord provides for them, even though they are now outside Abraham's household. He provides. So it's, it's like a, there's a death scene um, and then a, a resurrection scene. God, and God hears the voice of the boy, and that is uh, repeated. Verse 17, at the beginning and the end of that verse, God hears the voice of the boy. And um, Ishmael uh, means God hears. So there's a play on words there as God actually hears and listens to uh, Ishmael. And then she opens her, uh, opens her eyes of Hagar, and she goes and fills the skin with water and gives the boy a drink. So there's water now, not the water of Abraham's household, but water in, uh, water in the desert, so God's provision for them. And then we read verse 20, and God was with the boy. And he grew up, lived in the wilderness, became an expert with the bow. God is with him. So he's separated from Abraham's household, He's not going to be the channel through whom blessing will come to the nations, but nevertheless, God is with him. And essentially, it seems that Ishmael here is, is in a different spiritual state to think about Esau later in um, Genesis. If you're familiar with that, Esau is presented as a, as a carnal, worldly man who has really no thought of, of God or the promises of, of God. Uh, Ishmael here says that God is with him. He seems to be in a different spiritual state, at least at this point. Um, and then we, but we read verse 21 that his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt, and that does not bode well for the future. Um, but the main point through this is it is Isaac or Ishmael, who's the, the promised heir, the true son. And this is picked up in the book of Galatians, looking at who is the true, true heir to all the promises of God. Is it the, the Christian church who worship uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? Um, 
or was it the, the, the Judaizers based in uh, continuing with temple worship? Um, so th th this question then gets picked up in the book of uh, Galatians and, and deals with that there. So then we come to this, this third section where we see that this birth of Isaac, this birth of the promised uh, son, is then tied up with um, blessing to the nations and Abraham's dealings with uh, Abimelech. We return to Abimelech, who, um, if you remember back to, to last time, he'd come to, to fear God in that last incident where he took Sarah to, to be his wife and God had rebuked him sharply and he came in that instance to see something of God's power and God's uh, God's um, um, yeah God's God's well God's power and, and he feared God and, and did what God had, had said um, and now verse 22 uh, we read that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army said to him God is with you in all that you do so they are now regarding Abraham um, and treating him with some some seriousness really they recognize that God is with Abraham and Abraham is um, to be dealt with carefully it's perhaps a, a tricky customer you need to actually give Abraham some honor and some respect actually so it, in this treaty so he, he's making a treaty with him and it does seem that Abimelech is the senior party of the treaty and Abraham is the, the, the junior partner because Abraham brings the sheep and the oxen and, and so on and in some ways seems to be the junior party but I think the fact that they are making a treaty at all is evidence of the fact that Abimelech sees um, that well it clearly recognizes that Abraham and his household are, are under God's blessing and are going to be a force to be reckoned with moving into the future so he's talking about um, his descendants and Abraham's descendants and he's looking to the future and recognize, recognizes that God is uh, with Abraham. And so they want to make, he wants to make this treaty. Um, and it, it's interesting. So, so Israel, when, when they came into the land, they were forbidden from making treaties with the people of the land, with the Canaanites. Um, the Canaanites would be under God's judgment and they could not make treaties with them. But they could make treaties with people who were outside uh, the land and so I think this is foreshadowing some of that here is Abraham making a treaty with someone who is outside the covenant people of God and it's interesting the geography of it he's in the very edge of the land so all this happens in Beersheba and you may know that that is the, the most furthest southerly point of uh, the land so they, they would say from Dan right up in the north to Beersheba and much like we sort of say uh, from um, Land's End in the south to John O'Groats in the north. So down was at the top, which was the furthest south. So they're right on the borderlands here. And Abimelech and the, the land of the Philistines is, is be, beyond the land. Um, and the, the Philistines um, really would come to force a couple of hundred years later. So we're not quite sure if these are the same people um, or if they are just being named that because of the, the geographical location in which they live. Um, but the point is, making, uh, they're making this treaty, and Abimelech is really recognizing Abraham and his, um, his importance. And then we have this business of Abraham reproving Abimelech about a well of water uh, that Abimelech's servants had seized. So the, it, I, think, uh, I think what's going on is a little bit difficult to unravel, but I think what's going on here is that um, Abimelech wants to make this treaty 
And Abraham is kind of trying to get the terms he wants sorted out for this treaty. So well, what about this, this well of water? And I think it's also rather wonderful. It takes us into the sort of daily life of Abraham and his, his usual concerns. They're in the desert. And it's, uh, it's just the, the water supply. It's actually basic, isn't it, to what you need. And um, I can't really read these bits about it about wells and deserts and waters without thinking of the Lawrence of Arabia and, and the, that great scene where Omar Sharif comes riding on the camel over the over the desert to Ali's well of water and these disputes around wells of water and that would be sort of Abraham's daily life and he needed this well of water. Abraham, they didn't own any of the land, he didn't own this well but he dug it we find out and he needed that to have to have life and sustenance. And so, so as Abimelech wants to make this treaty, so Abraham is kind of getting, getting in all, all the issues he wants raised so they can make this covenant, this treaty. Um, now, verse 26, Abimelech says, I, I don't know who's done this thing. You didn't tell me. I've not heard of it till today. So Abimelech, he's an interesting character. He didn't know that Sarah was Abraham's uh, wife. Um, and why should he? But it also, he doesn't know what's happened with this well of water. So his, um, his kind of the intelligence services of uh, Abimelech in his kingdom, you know, M MI6, are not really uh, perhaps doing, doing their job very well. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, but Abraham's now, he's taking sheep and oxen, giving them to Abimelech, and they made a covenant. And so we've seen this before. In, um, in Genesis, how you make a covenant, you take two animals, you, you, they're, they're slaughtered, they're, they're put in two, they, the parties of the covenant walk between them, and they're saying, look, you, um, we won't attack you, you don't attack us, we are, and, and, and that sort of thing, they're offering mutual protection. And then Abraham sets apart these seven ewe lambs, and this is particularly uh, to do with this well. He wants uh, the his rights to this well to be recognized. Um, and that's turned, so you have the name of it, Beersheba, which means uh, the well of the oath or the well of seven. Um, so Beer is well and Shiva can be uh, well, seven or oath uh, because both of them swore an oath. And so they made a covenant of Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol uh, rose up went back to the land of the Philistines. And then verse 33, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. Before that, he'd been at oaks, had been at oak trees of memory, but here he's actually planting a tree, and a tamarisk tree, I understand, that the, the Bedouin would, would plant these trees. They'd grow quite fast, and they'd, they'd grow and provide shelter for uh, their herds and flocks. And he calls there on the name of the Lord, and that is a, that means public worship, calling on the name of the Lord, uh, the everlasting God. And so here they are, there's a well of water, there's a shady tree, they're worshiping the Lord. And here is this mini sanctuary. It's like an Edenic Eden sanctuary, a little space right on the edge of the land. And so here is Abraham um, being planted in the land. Here is a sort of, he's got a more permanent, doesn't own the land, but it's more permanent. He's got rights to the well. He's planted a tree. He's been wandering around, but now he's going to be here in Beersheba for some time, and his um, Isaac and Jacob are going to be in this, this geographical location for time to come. And so we hear, here we see this mini uh, garden sanctuary, a place to call upon the name of the Lord um, here in the land. And so, and the nation's coming 
come there and receive a blessing. So Abimelech really uh, foreshadows that. And it takes us back to Genesis 12, uh, verse 3, with a promise to Abraham that those who bless you, I will bless. Those who dishonor you, I will curse. Abimelech was in danger of dishonoring Abraham and cursing him. But then he, was, he backed off. He's very careful not to do that because he recognized that he wants a blessing. He recognized that God is with him. So I think all of this stuff with Abimelech is Abimelech recognizing God is with Abraham and then God establishing Abraham as the one who will be the blessing to the nations. And that really sort of foreshadows um, what will happen later with Israel's relationship with the surrounding nations. They were going to be later on planted in the land to be a blessing to the nations surrounding them. So in 1 Kings, under Solomon, once the temple has been established in the midst of the land, that great uh, Edenic um, temple sanctuary there with water and with the trees, or at least in, in the sort of imagery in, in the temple um, and in, in the symbolism there, uh, that would be the place where, from whence uh, water of blessing would go to the nations, and the nations could draw near. So in Solomon's great prayer in 1 Kings 8.41, he prays this, likewise, when a foreigner who is not one of your people, uh, not of your people Israel, comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm. And when he comes and prays towards this house, Hear in heaven your dwelling place and do that which the foreigner asks you to do. So Solomon in his prayer, just envisaging people from the nations coming to seek the Lord's face and to, to pray. Um, and that is really what Abimelech is, is doing here. And we can think of others in the scriptures, think of oh, the Queen of Sheba coming or the King of Tyre making a, 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 a treaty with, uh, with, with David or, or others who come um, and so we see that uh, God is, is, is establishing, Abraham is establishing his people in the land. They are his covenant people through whom blessing would flow out to the nations. And all of that is sort of foreshadowed here. So we see in the chapter, we see the birth of the promised offspring, Isaac, the expulsion of Ishmael, not the promised seed. But we see the birth of Isaac is then tied up with the blessing going out to the nations. And all of this, of course, finds his great fulfillment in the true offspring, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, uh, the promised Messiah, the son of Abraham, the long-promised um, offspring. Christ, to whom the nations come and bow down. Think of the, the wise men from the east coming to bow down to Christ. Christ, the one who, who opens up the way to God. Christ, this great meeting place. Christ, who is... The temple, the one who said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. Christ, who sat down by a well of water uh, with the woman of Samaria and said, um, whoever comes to me, I will give you living water. Um, Christ, who is uh, the hope of the world. And the Samaritans recognized Christ and said, look, surely this man is the saviour of the world. So all these things point to the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessing which is to be found in him. And so it's a wonderful passage, quite a long passage that we've, we've been looking at, but I think in these things we're encouraged, first of all, just to keep trusting in God's promises as we read through Genesis, as we spend time here, we see all the twists and turns of ultimately the Lord keeping 
his promise and the great delight and joy that there is. And so it's just an encouragement for all of us to, to trust in God as we look at the world. And this is, in a way, this is Christianity 101, isn't it? Trusting God to keep his promises and trusting what he says about the future, that Christ will return again and, and come again and to, to continue to look to Abraham and Sarah when things seem small and fragile and difficult and when life seems precarious, um, as it so often did for Abraham, we are called to trust God to keep his promises. And secondly, I think really through this, as, as we look at it, trace it through the scriptures, really we need to, to come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. We see at the end of this, this passage, Abraham calling on the name of the Lord in this, in this sanctuary, in this place that God had provided. And we come as those who are uh, members of the new covenant. We come as those from different nations, but we've come to Christ and the nations now come not just to sort of come to be one step removed, but actually come to be part of the household of God. And we come to, to just receive the blessing of God and receive the blessing of the gospel. And so we just rejoice and come to, to worship Jesus Christ in a reminder for us to honor Christ, um, to honor him. Those who bless him will be blessed. Those who who reject him will be rejected. We're reminded just to fall at the, the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and to worship him, uh, the one who uh, refreshes us, the one who gives us this living water, the one through whom the spirit is poured out on the church. And we're reminded also just of God's purposes to bless the nations, to bless the nations through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the gospel, which goes out to the ends of the earth, uh, the leaves of the tree for the for the healing of the nations and we rejoice that the, the gospel is going out into the nations and we continue to to praise god and to pray for his great work so let us uh, come now in prayer to the lord jesus christ and worship him You've been listening to the Sermon Podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church. You can find us out online at gloucesterpres, that's P-R-E-S dot co dot U-K. For more, thank you.